I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Woohoo! <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Um, so we are sending all of our love to DMX, who did not make it. No, mm, and his no. family. Bless his heart. Um, um, George Floyd's murderer is going to prison. Hooray, yes, hooray. yes. Bye bye. I love um, seeing a racist piece of shit in cuffs. Me too. That made Does me my happy. Heart the, 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 the most excited I've been in a number of years. <laughs> when I tell you, my exhale was like, <gasps> yes. <gasps> yes. And the, the TikTok, because I, I watched it live on TikTok because I'm peak millennial these days. Ooh. <laughs> um, the lady doing it was like sobbing and I was like, I'm about to cry. Aww. And I have not cried at the news since the inauguration. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, so yeah, at least there's a little bit of accountability in the world. There may not be a lot and not everyone who deserves it has received it yet. Call, call Brianna, but, um, yeah. and so many others, she's right. just one of many, but hopefully we will have that coming soon. Um, but for now, yeah. right. we are for now, going to we got talk, something. We, for, yes. And in this week's episode is very murder heavy because Yay. we are discussing women who murder. Yes. <laughs> Specifically their husbands. Yes. Specifically husbands. Um, not, you know, this is not a, um, any kind of heavy police brutality story. So, um, we don't have that heaviness, but this is still, I, I think we deal with some heavy stuff in these stories, or at least I know mine does. Yeah. Um, so and sometimes it's fun to be like hey she killed you know like country songs like she killed her abusive husband goodbye earl um but right or the you know, so tango <laughs> yeah sometimes <laughs> but, they but have it coming yeah but sometimes you know there's more to it or sometimes no they were just mean um so we're just going to delve into these stories and i believe hannah is going first you're right and speaking of people who are just plain mean okay I'm going to let y'all know there's a lot of Polish names in this. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so there are going to be some issues with my pronunciation. And I am going to apologize in advance because I don't speak Polish. Um, what? That was the, How do you I, not? I know. it's And honestly, like during the first part of lockdown, I told myself I was going to learn Polish so I could eavesdrop at the grocery store. That didn't happen. So here we are. But speaking of mean people, we have Otilia Guberek. G. G B U R E K. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just use that G initial. Yes. Well, it's this is the last time we're going to be using that. There are more okay. fun ones to come. Oh, yeah. She was was born in Poland in 1876, and she went by Tilly. She immigrated to the U.S. as an infant with her parents and resided in Chicago, like many Polish immigrants. In fact, Chicago has the highest population of Polish people outside of Poland itself. Interesting. Yup. Yup. Outside of Krakow, city with the most Polish people. So Tilly made, her, made a name for herself in her neighborhood as a fortune teller. 
she would often predict the deaths of local dogs that annoyed her. Sure enough, the dog would soon make it, meet its maker. Convenient. While, uh, <laughs> willing to get on the wrong side of a long dead prognosticator, it is remarkably easy to predict deaths that you already have in the works. Tilly, wherever you are, don't come for me. Um, <laughs> anyone else come for me? Tilly, you stay over there. She I'm also can't come for Tab either. No, you leave my Tabby alone. She's had a spicy belly this week and we're doing our best. <laughs> Tilly However, for- pickle of the, the Lori family <laughs> may oh, be yes. up for grabs. Yes, today. Tilly, come, come get pickle. My uh, pickles my, have been a bad boy. Yes, my corgi ate my four hundred dollar glasses while I was in the shower. <laughs> oh God! See, the worst thing that Tab has done this week is, well, she's gassy, and so she she farted extremely loudly while I was on a conference call, and I was like, "That was my dog," and I'm pretty sure no one believes me. Um, so awesome. Just send them that so TikTok Tilly- of her sto- snoring. Yeah, and it's exactly. like, you know, this is, what, like- this is the noise that comes out of this dog. Trust me. <laughs> like noises come from all ends. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so Tilly married her first husband, John. I'm not even going to spell it because it's too long. Um, Medic- Medikowitz. Mikowitz? Medi- Sounds good. John me. M. In 1895, when she would have been about 19, not quite 20 years later. So she didn't start off. She she got in a good 19 years. He would die of what would be listed as heart problems. Tilly received an insurance payout. Keep that in mind. She quickly remar- remarried Joseph Ruskowski, that one I can pronounce, who also died shortly thereafter. She also had a brief courtship with an unnamed man who also died of unknown problems. Hmm. Hmm. Death would not just follow Tilly's lovers. Her enemies, be they romantic rivals or just annoying neighbors, would also find themselves either painfully slick, sick, or slick, or on the slab <laughs> after tap. T- almost said Tabby. Huh? Tabby has done nothing. <laughs> Tabby is innocent. Uh, Tabby's innocent. After Tilly would offer them homemade chocolates as a consolation gift after they would have a dust stop or something. Then they'd get really sick or they would die. And yes, the neighborhood dogs were still dropping dead. Whether people at the time suspected that she was actually giving a promo rather than a premonition is unknown, but she would continue to wreak havoc on her neighborhood on Chicago's north side for years to come. Uh, the area that she was arrested in, um, which we'll get to, uh, is called Little Ukraine. It's a really cute little neighborhood. Um, and also, you can apparently kill quite a few husbands there. So keep that in mind. Now, now this is where Tilly, Tilly, she's she has a little fun with her third husband, Frank Kupchik. She played with him before she took him out. <laughs> oh, but she did. Like Listen a cat with a mouse. <laughs> Listen to this girl. That's why she killed all the dogs. She was more of a cat person. Uh, she would. She started knitting her morning hat. So morning with a U, in front of him. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and would frequently tell him, "It won't be long now, and you will die soon." Oh my god! Now this this next one 
is this one of is the not most funny, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking hysterical. So wait for it. She even asked her landlord if she could store Frank's future coffin that she got a bargain on in the basement of her of their apartment. She okay. bought, I love it. <laughs> she got a good deal on a coffin. She knew his finna die. Can I store this shit in your basement? <laughs> Shockingly, Frank died in 1921. <laughs> I'm shocked. You've got to so be kidding surprising. me. Did she also wear her surprising? <laughs> it wasn't Frank that got her. Tilly wouldn't get caught until her fourth husband, Joseph Klimek, <laughs> whose name she carried until her death, Tilly Klimek, fell ill and was diagnosed with arsenic poisoning. Her past husbands were then exhumed because the Chicago PD were like, oh, fuck, how many years she have died? Hold up. <laughs> And in a macabre bit of forensic science history, the test for arsenic poisoning at that time was to put a piece of organ, either kidney or liver, on a fire and see if it smelled like garlic. Yeah. <laughs> it smelled like almonds. That's cyanide. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. But apparently arsenic will make your organs smell like garlic when you cook I them. My insides wow. already smell like garlic because I, I mean, eat a lot of garlic. Yes, yeah. You know what? The same. I want to know who the fuck was doing what when they figured that out. <laughs> that is insane. Like, what were you up to? <laughs> <laughs> and then, because my gal Tilly is a baller and a G, when Tilly was finally arrested, she told the cop, the next one I want to cook a dinner for is you. <laughs> saucy <laughs> salty salty bitch tilly wasn't playing around so much no. so that she wore the morning cap she knitted in front of frank to her trial <laughs> i bitch gave zero fucks she gave zero fucks. i like this lady <laughs> i love tilly so much and i shouldn't but goddamn, lady <laughs> So Tilly was finding husbands through Polish dating services and killed them primarily for their life insurance payments. The other neighbors and acquaintances she's suspecting of killing, the motive was most likely they simply pissed her off. <laughs> Tilly's method of murder was a rat poison called rough on rats. <laughs> the early 20th century was not a subtle time. Now, Tilly, she wasn't done. She implicated her cousin Nellie in the crime by saying she's the one that bought the rat poison. And this was her idea as an insurance scam. Her poor cousin would spend a year before her eventual acquittal being tormented by Tilly in prison. Tilly would often tell her, they're going to go hang you today. Oh yep. my God. Today's the day. <laughs> the guards are going to come down. They're going to take you out. They're going to hang you. Okay, I have a feeling this kid was, or she was awful as a kid. You know, she was the kid on the playground. Like, yes. I'm going to tell the teacher on you. You're going to get in trouble. See, I don't detention. think, I don't, I don't think Tilly was a snitch. I think Tilly would have just laid your ass out. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't so. think she was a, ten, a, a snitch. I think she just wanted She's to like, terrorize people. Fuck mm -hmm. around and, as I often say, fuck around and find out. Tilly was fuck mm -hmm. around and find out. Yeah. You didn't even have to fuck around. <laughs> to find was, out. <laughs> exactly. 
There was no fucking around. Tilly was like, None. find out. Find out. And you know what? I have to respect it. <laughs> um, so, but her cousin was acquitted. Um, they even if she did buy the rat poison, there was no proof that she knew uh the shenanigans that Tilly was up to. Tilly herself would be sentenced to life in prison, which is the harshest sentence that had ever been passed on a woman in Cook County at that time. And she would end her life in the Joliet Correctional Facility in November 1936. Tilly is buried in the Bohemian Cemetery here in Chicago. And Tilly is... (laughs) Tilly's that bitch. Um, (laughs) Yes, she is. So, yeah, my... I guess really my favorite thing about if you can have a favorite thing is poor fucking Frank. Like Frank. Poor Frank. Bless his Frank. heart. And when poor she dogs. Start- I feel really bad I know, for those dogs I know. she didn't like. Exactly. Dogs. And dogs so um, mm-hmm. as I often wrap other podca- podcasts, podcasts in our episodes, um, last pod did Black Widow's and they did Tilly Klimek, where they gave her the nickname the Polish Prognosticator. <laughs> That's a great and name. And she is, I mean, she's just, um, there will be pictures of her. She she wasn't, she had a very stern face. Like, if I saw her in the grocery store, I'd be like, this bitch is, she gonna start some shit. So I'm gonna turn around and walk here. the other way. <laughs> she's not gonna ask to speak to my manager. She's gonna throat punch the manager. <laughs> so. Exactly no ma'am so yeah the polish prognosticator terrorizing ukrainian village in chicago um bohemian cemetery have not yet been to visit it is on my list um actually my new place is not gonna be far away from it so i'm very excited uh and so i'll i'll go see old old tilly and hope she doesn't curse me from beyond the grave because i feel like she has that power probably you know i'm kind of sad she doesn't say something on her tombstone like see you in hell you know <laughs> right like she seems like the type that would be like you're I've, gonna go to hell and say i gonna torture you every day i really feel let's look at her grave real quick because you know what it might <laughs> i don't know wouldn't doubt it i don't know what this bitch is up to she's scary sounds, mm-hmm. yeah that's cold that is i'm d- <laughs> it was just she is just oh lord Okay, here's some more details from Find a Grave, um, just because I feel like this was a little short and I want to kind of uh, uh, fluff it out a little bit. Um, she did apparently uh, torment some other husbands. Oh, um, no, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, after she married her first husband, she went and bought some fabric, some black fabric, and the shopkeeper was like are you making a morning gown she's like yep in two weeks um, <laughs> so yeah she's planning um, ahead you know just getting that exactly um they talked about they talk about too in that um the polish community was highly superstitious um so that was a lot of you know when she said she was you know cut you know prognosticating as it were uh they believed her because they're like i'm not you know i'm not fitting to fuck around and find out Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so her grave is actually unmarked which is interesting um figured that if she died in prison yeah 
and in 1936 too so oh yeah they wouldn't yeah Mm -hmm. no um Juliet might well no she's in Bohemian Grove so I'll have to I'll have to look extra hard to find her um she was actually called a female bluebeard which which Mm -hmm. I'm kind of into um the Juliet oh apparently there's a haunted house too look out okay yeah adding it to the list (laughs) But yeah, so Tilly, um, rough on rats. Indeed, she was. So (laughs) she was just like, of all like the female, like husband murderers, she was, she just, especially with the, I'm going to put the cast or the coffin in the basement because I got a deal on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're fixing to die soon. Like, extreme couponer <laughs> and um, like that is some harsh yeah. ass shit and then telling the cop the next one i want to cook a dinner for is you i'm like oh yeah. god damn so yeah tilly, i like her tilly Klimek, ladies and gentlemen be Good nice job. to the old polish ladies in your life they might kill Amen. you <laughs> you know so it's actually it's actually funny that she's polish just and, and you talk about the names so uh we had a delivery today and it's this giant package and it came from poland and it's addressed to husband adam and like the guys the return address is like mckagey quella blah 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 blasky (laughs) and i i he got gets home i'm like who the fuck do you know in poland (laughs) like i was being very very like who sent this to you what is this it said the only thing in english on it was the word costume (laughs) what the hell is going on and he opens it up and it's like a it's a dr strange cloak i'm like who knows you like dr strange and so yeah we figured his sister I guess ordered oh. it for him. Oh, okay. didn't, didn't bother to tell anybody to be expecting a package from Poland. <laughs> there was no note oh. or anything. I was like, put it on. Wow. Maybe it's an invisibility cloak. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, it was a Dr. Strange cloak. But yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, well, are you going yeah. next? Yes. And I'm going to surprise y'all because. Uh, as I may have mentioned earlier, I flip-flopped back and forth. I did not know who I wanted to do. I was thinking Black Widows, I'm going to do Belle Gunness. And then I'm like, well, shit, last podcast did a really, right. really good one on her. I don't want to come anywhere near that. Uh, Annette Lyles, Marianne Cotton. And then, so today I'm like, okay, I'm doing who I said I was going to do at the very beginning, Myrtle Bennett. Ooh. The bridge game murder. Okay. Oh, here for it. Yes. Here for it. I'm excited. Yes. So before I get into details, I'm going to give you a little background on how I learned about this murder. Um, so in a previous life, I guess, for so for two and a half years, I worked at the American Contract Bridge League, which is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to preserving the game of bridge. Um, and they also sanction bridge tournaments across North America. At the headquarters, which is in Horn Lake, Mississippi, of all places, there's a museum <laughs> that is dedicated to the history of Contract Bridge, which is also known as Duplicate Bridge. Um, so on my first day, I was given a tour of this really cool museum, all these fancy gold trophies, um, historical pictures, um, you know, different 
gaming systems that you could play bridge with. Um, and on one wall is, you know, a little section poster about the bridge murder. And, you know, I'm a true crime junkie. So I was like, what? There's a murder about bridge. I've got to, I've got to investigate this. And there are actually a lot of bridge murders. Um, what? Maybe not a lot, but there's three really prominent ones from the 1900s. That's so, a lot for a card game. Yeah, for a yeah, card game that, so. you know, <laughs> is unfortunately dying out. Uh, so, yeah, it was so, so a little bit about Bridge. So it's an extremely complex game that's been around in some kind of form for about 100 years hundreds of years. Um, and at its core, it's a trick-taking game like Hearts or Spades. One partnership of two players sits at a table with an additional partnership. And the game starts with an auction, which is basically each person trying to tell their partner what cards they have in their hand. There are multiple different uh, bidding systems that people use, which is just like the language. Um, and, and I mean, essentially that's what uh, that the auction is about using a foreign language to tell your partner, Hey, this is how many hearts I have, or, you know, I have a lot of good spades or whatever the case is. Um, so once the auction ends, there's the contract is set and all the players are trying to make that contract. So get this number of, of tricks. Uh, yes, it is very confusing. And I am the first to admit that in the two and a half years I was with ACBL, I did not become even a passable bridge player by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, the game itself was wildly popular during the mid, uh, early to mid 1900s. In fact, there was even a television show called Championship Bridge with Charles Gorin that ran from 1959 <laughs> until 1964 on ABC. So before wow. television, before computers, there was bridge. Um, and so now this is where we come to the lady at the center of this story, Myrtle Adkins Bennett. Um, what a great name, Myrtle, yes, by the way. Yes. Myrtle. 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 Yes. So when Myrtle was a teenager, she was taken by a photograph of a handsome young man while she was visiting a friend. And she said, I'm going to marry that guy. Several years later, so sometime during World War One, she was on a train and she recognized the young man from that picture and she approached him. She told him, hey, you know, this this happened a couple years ago and they were married pretty quickly after that in November of 1918. That is intensely creepy, I have to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. So Myrtle and her husband, John Gilbert Bennett, settled in Kansas City, Missouri, and they lived with Myrtle's mother, Alice. My birthplace. Yes, yes, yes. I have lots of family there, too. Um, Myrtle was a was a stay at home housewife uh, and her husband was a successful perfume salesman. Um. So now we come to the morning of Sunday, September 30th, 1929. Started off great for the couple. They began the day playing a uh, couple's golf game with their neighbors, Charles and Myrna Hoffman. Um, and then at the end of the day, they went home. Myrna to and Myrtle. Myrna I and Myrtle. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they ended the day 
with what should have been a friendly game of bridge, which it was far from. Um, and for those of you that don't know, bridge takes forever to play, which is part of the reason why I did not become a very good bridge player. Um, a typical game lasts about three hours. So that's why, you know, unfortunately part of the reason why it's not as popular today is people just don't have the time to commit to playing this game. So they started at dusk and it's getting late in the night. Uh, Myrtle and John played against the Hoffmans and in the very early stages of the game, they were winning by a good margin. But as it got later into the night, John started to play poorly and they started falling behind the Hoffmans. They began arguing. Um, John accused Myrtle of making a poor bid. Myrtle accused John of being a, quote, bum bridge player. Uh, (laughs) So and this was John's response. He reached across the table, mind you, when there are two other people sitting on opposite sides of him, grabbed her and slapped her several times. Fucking kill him, Myrtle. Yes. Kill him. It's coming. I'm on team Myrtle. Yeah. Myrtle's response was, quote, nobody but a bum would hit a woman in the presence of friends. Oh, true. True. So there, there. There's like two different versions of this story. Uh, And so I'm going to tell the one that I was told and that I feel like is probably most accurate. And then I'll tell the story that Myrtle told at her trial. So after he hit her, John gets up and says, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm going to a hotel tonight and I'm gone tomorrow. Um, Apparently he had a business trip coming up. So it, it didn't seem like he was leaving her for good. It was just, I'm going to a hotel and then I'm going about my business. He stormed off to pack his bags. While he did that, Myrtle went to her mother's room and grabbed her mother's gun. She came out and John saw that she had a gun in her hand. So he ran to the bathroom and locked himself in. She shot twice at the door and missed him. So he came out of the bathroom you know, knew he was cornered, ran out and was running to the front door of the apartment. And she fired two more shots, which hit him. He fell to the ground and said, quote, she got me, end quote. And then <laughs> he died. No. He died right God there. Damn. There some laughs at that, but those are some <laughs> great laughs. She got me. <laughs> Somebody put that on his tombstone. <laughs> yes, yes. No. And what year is this? 1929 okay yeah Ah, yeah yeah. yes the picture is forming yes so (laughs) myrtle was arrested you know there were two witnesses who saw the whole thing she Uh, did it in front of them like it was that fast yes yes god damn (laughs) i thought maybe the other couple went home they were in the process of getting ready to leave when this all happened wow uh so she was arrested and charged with first degree murder at the trial, she turned on the waterworks. She declared that she would rather be dead herself than be responsible for her husband's death. And like at one point, the judge stopped the trial so that she, because uh, the guy that was her uh, her lawyer was also prone to tears. And so the judge is like, bitches, 
get it out and let's get back to the, <laughs> the trial. But can um, you imagine that couple? Like, have you ever been like third wheeling with a couple and they start oh, getting yeah. smitty with yes. each other? Yes. And oh, you're yes. just it's like, the worst. Uh, like, it's like that SpongeBob mean, okay, I'm going to head out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, you know, I don't want to have to testify to anything. So yeah, y'all yes. keep it tight. I'm out. <laughs> yes. So According to Myrtle's version of events, that after he slapped her and said he was leaving, he demanded that she fetch his gun that he often took with him on his trips for protection. So the dutiful wife that she was got up and went and got this gun. But as she was bringing it to him, she tripped over a chair and accidentally shot him. (laughs) That's the best thing she could come up with. Yes. Then he, then he grabbed her from being shot and she shot him again. And it was all just a really tragic accident. Yeah, yeah, sure. Accident. Sure. Yes. So the jury deliberated for just eight hours and Myrtle Bennett was found not guilty. You're kidding me. No. Listen to this. Yes. After the trial, a juror said their reasoning for the acquittal was, quote, she was only a woman unused to guns. We we reckon that if she'd really been trying to hit him, she would have missed. End quote. You're kidding me. Somebody give me that asshole's ass. Yes. Oh my god. This is like with Lizzie Borden when she told Mm -hmm. them that her dress was just period stayed, and they were like, oh my god, period. I don't want to talk about it. Yes. You're not guilty. You're not Um, guilty. Yeah. So and of I guess the jury also conveniently forgot that there were two extra bullet holes in the bathroom and that (laughs) where his body was, there were no bags. So he wasn't going anywhere damn so john bennett was buried at union ridge cemetery in his home state of illinois and myrtle would go on to collect his thirty thousand dollar life insurance policy yes which is worth just under four hundred and sixty five thousand dollars in today's money god damn myrtle so you know between Between Tilly and Myrtle, I'm like, you know, yeah, bitches got to do what bitches got to do. Right, right. (laughs) So, you know, Myrtle was only 35 when this happened. So she never remarried or had children, but she did continue to play bridge. Uh, (laughs) Works. She worked, traveled a lot, worked in, and was the head of housekeeping for the Carlisle Hotel in New York City. And she had many, many rich and famous friends, including uh, the actress Mary Pickford and Henry Ford II. Um, She eventually retired to Miami, Florida, where she lived until her death in 1992. Jesus, at the age of 96. Wow. God, I guess only the good die young. Good well, there, there is a very, there's a theory that bridge players uh, are less prone to develop Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh. You know, there are some studies that kind of back that up. So okay. maybe, maybe that continuing to play bridge kept her sharp and kept her alive. But um, she was buried next to her mother, Alice, in the Grand Army of the Republic Cemetery, which is in Miami, Oklahoma. 
No. Which I wow. didn't know there was a Miami, Oklahoma, but I didn't either. According to Find a Grave, that there is. Um, and it's <laughs> the Grand Army of the Republic Cemetery. So I'm gonna have God to damn. do some homework on that. But yes, that is the bridge Myrtle. the bridge table, the bridge game murder, and uh how she got away with it. That's a great story. That's yeah, a yeah. wild story. And there's you know, it's, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead, go, well, no, I was just gonna ahead, say, Lori. so there's another one um which, which was uh a, a crazy one uh barry crane who was a famous uh hollywood producer uh was respond like behind mission impossible and a couple other shows mm-hmm. uh who was a very competitive bridge player and he was murdered um at his home while he was playing in a bridge tournament and they just um i think found fing- through fingerprints were able to identify his killer in 2019 Oh, wow. So, and he, he was killed in, he was killed in 1985. Uh, so they just were able to, to get the guy. Um, but yeah, no, this was by far very interesting. And I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of more information out there about this. Like people who play bridge obsess over what was the hand that led (laughs) to his murder and, you know, uh, either his right or his left. (laughs) Well, no, I'm sorry. I meant Brit, like the the card hand. (laughs) (laughs) The slapping hand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, when you said at the beginning that, you know, she had seen like a picture of him, mm-hmm. it was like, I'm going to marry him. And then she tracks him down kind of, and is like, Hey, we're, we're going to get married. And then they do. It just made me wonder if they have one of those very passionate marriages that is sometimes stormy because there's so much passion. And not necessarily. Yeah. Not, not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily good the passion. Good yeah. Right. No, but like strong feelings. And that I just wonder if they fought a lot and maybe we all she, have she had had one crazy couple in our food, oh, yeah. in our friend groups, that one th- couple yeah. that's like over yeah. under which one's killing the other one. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I, I think that's true. Cause some of the other stuff I read that there was a history of a lot of fighting and they were arguing throughout the evening it just kind of came to a head yeah when he played like a bum (laughs) like a bum bum remember when that was like a hardcore insult i i was listening to um a, a story that happened in the 50s and somebody called somebody a gangster and i was like well call me a gangster all day long but back then that was a way to get punched in the face so i love it yeah. I love when old said, timey insults. I love them too. When you said like a bum, my first thought, weirdly <laughs> enough, was I heard the Bob Seger song "Like a Rock." You know, it used to be <laughs> like, a commercials. like a bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a bum. Okay, you're welcome, um, Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, Bob Seger and I share the same birthday. Not the oh. same, but the same birthday. My parents saw him in concert, and they they were very excited about it. So I was happy for um, them. I'm an old lady and I would love to see her, see her, see him. <laughs> so, um, women on my mind. Bad company came on in of all places, the Trader Joe's last weekend. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah, this is my jam. Look, if shooting star <laughs> comes on and you could not, not sing along. I question the presence <laughs> of a soul. It's a bop and it's amazing. And that's all there is to it. I support it. All right, Sheena. Okay. 
All right. Buckle in. This is a long story. <laughs> sorry, not Shocker. sorry. <laughs> I love, I love detail and I love, um, crazy stories. And this is a crazy one. Um, a lot of the information I got was from a newspaper story that ran in 1949 and it ran in most newspapers across the country. Um, and it is just, it is a wild piece of journalism from 1949. <laughs> so I'm going to quote it a lot oh, because boy. I love the phrasing and, and all this. Exactly how many slurs that were acceptable back then have appeared in this article. <laughs> There's actually... The worst thing that is in here is maybe crowbait. She is called crowbait at one point. We will get to that. (laughs) It is very harsh. Listen, Um, but before we get to that, I'm going to tell a tiny, tiny, tiny little murder story. So what set me off and what made me want to cover women who kill their husbands. um, What was that, Hannah? That is Gwen clawing my couch. Oh, I was like, I heard a noise. Man, animals are just being very mean. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh huh. I would die for her to meow right then. She's like, no, stop clawing my couch. (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm gonna start this though with with a a tiny, tiny, tiny little murder, and then head into another murder. Um, also, I'm just going to say this too. I like how all of our ladies killed people at basically the same time. They all lived around the same time period, right. which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Okay. So Holly, to interrupt you, Hollywood crime scene, they do a lot of 1920s, uh, mm-hmm. women going crazy and killing like people, not necessarily their significant others. And like one of the hosts was like, well, somebody please do like an academic study about like what the fuck was going on in the twenties. That was just sending women on a murderous rampage. It was the and jazz of, age. Well, and part of me wonders jazz. if they weren't killing the exact same number that they'd always been killing, but with the gender ideals of the day and mm-hmm. plus with it being the rise of yellow journalism and the Hearst oh, yeah. empire and all of that, if it just made for better storytelling you know you know women who are supposed to be the fair sex going on like murderous rampages so yep that's an interesting i really i kind of honestly wish somebody would do if it's just media perception or if there really was an uptick yeah yeah that would be cool to know well the tiny little bitty murder i'm going to tell about first (laughs) is what um what inspired me to cover women who have murdered their husbands? Because um, I learned about a potential husband killer buried at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. Y'all know my home cemetery. Um, Mrs. George Emma Ashcraft Atkinson Hooks. Uh, she was a Damn. wealthy woman in Memphis who is accused of murdering her second husband, Sarah Hooks, um, in 1902. They His exhumed- name was Sarah? Sarah, Sarah at C-E-R-R-A. I believe he might've been Greek. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, They exhumed Mr. Hooks and saw that he had arsenic in his system and glass in his stomach. Ooh. Did they burn his organ on a fire and see if it smelled (laughs) like garlic? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But but Mrs. Hooks went through the whole um, trial and was acquitted. 
Um, she is also su suspected in the death of her first husband, W.H. Atkinson, in 1898, and her only son, Harry, in 1899. They both also died of brief and violent cases of gastritis. Oh. Finger quotes. Um, but they, she was never charged in either one of those deaths. And only a few years after her second husband passed, I think it was 1904, she passed of appendicitis, which I think that's God's way of being like, not so fast. Right. Not so fast, ma'am. I see what you did. That's karmic. So, I like that. It yes. is. It is. So in learning about her, um, that made me want to do this episode. So we talk, we were talking about ladies who kill people, but I wanted to, co uh, to cover someone who most definitely killed people. Um, this woman is also buried at Elmwood in Memphis. She married seven times to six different men, and she was charged in the murders of three of them. Man, I, I, so yeah, we got, we got some details. Just sit back and listen. Yes. Picture it. Memphis, <laughs> 1949. <laughs> it's 1am on January 2nd. And there's a sailor named William Rhodes and he's out walking at night in the rain. Don't know why not going to question it, but he comes across a dead body and that newspaper story that I referred to earlier that showed up in newspapers across the country. So I'm not sure where it was originally published, but it was written by a woman named Ruth Reynolds. This is how she describes the scene. One touch and Rhodes knew the man was dead. Rhodes thought the fellow was a victim of a hit and run driver. Men from the office of Sheriff James L. Thompson dispelled that notion quickly. The man had been shot in the head with a 38 caliber bullet. A deputy sheriff recognized the corpse. That's Ed Gill, Vance Avenue Alma's husband, he exclaimed. He, he, he. Alma's gone and shot herself another husband god damn Ooh, so okay start that is the opening scene to this lady's article which i'm like yes good job ma'am good job okay alma <laughs> yeah so we're gonna go back to the beginning alma feed was born alma herring in mississippi in 1895 for what it's worth i've seen her last name as both herring and heron and i've seen she was born in memphis and in mississippi I think she was probably born in Mississippi because I, her, um, I believe her parents were from Mississippi. I know her mother was. Um, that same newspaper article said that Alma, a young Alma, would have, um, in happier circumstances, been a natural for the musical comedy stage, whatever that means. However, um, Alma's family was very, very poor. So by the age of 16, she was a sex worker and all of the money she made from her job, she gave to her parents to basically keep them afloat. This is a fucking musical. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. like a, like a Chicago spinoff. We should write yeah. that. Call it Memphis. Well, <laughs> there is already a musical called Memphis. God damn it. Never I don't mind. know what it's about, though. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Probably not as cool as what we would come up with. Probably not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think one theme we're going to see throughout the story is Alma kind of did what she had to do to make it by, and it wasn't always pretty. Either way, she mostly worked Vance Avenue, which is mostly in the downtown area of Memphis, and that's how she got the nickname Vance Avenue Alma. So she was known by that from a 
fairly young age, like I said, 16. She liked to go out on the town with her Johns, especially if they go to the fancy places, because again, according to that news story, uh, she liked to go to Okies for lobster or oysters and absinthe fraps or frappes. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I googled this. It is basically an absinthe snow cone with absinthe syrup and ice. Give it here. <laughs> I want to try it. I want and, that. Yeah, I do too. And like not too much. <laughs> yeah, not too much. God, absinthe will murder you, like these ladies will. But um, but I mean all these websites were like, oh yeah it's a classic new orleans drink and i'm like how have i miss this every time i've been <laughs> in new orleans either way i want one of those but moving on um all of the money again that alma made she gave to her mother and we're gonna see this theme throughout the story of no matter what happens she always goes back to her mother and she's always trying to support her but at 17 Alma runs off to Arkansas to marry a man named Halpin Cox. For what it's worth, I've also seen his name as Halperin. I don't know. Just, we're going to call him Cox, okay? <laughs> um, yes, we are. <laughs> but before she turned 18, they'd already divorced and she's moved back in with her mother. Um, she didn't stay single for long. She uh, ran off to Arkansas again in a couple of years to marry a man named Roy Calvert. He was 24 and he worked on the railroad. They lived in Little Rock for a while, but that marriage was a bad one. Um, her quote about this actually was Roy drank. My, that marriage was a wild one. <laughs> this marriage ended in, and this is a quote from the newspaper, divorce by lead. When not in 1919, Alma <laughs> shot Roy Calvert and killed him. Fuck um, yes. Alma at this point is in her early 20s. Um, but the uh, there's a 1919 issue of the Arkansas Gazette that calls Alma a husband slayer, <laughs> and it shows pictures of her both before and after her marriage. And before she's young, pretty, and in the second one, her face is covered in bruises. Aww. Everyone knew that he was an abusive spouse. He had beaten his first wife. Um, so he had a reputation of being a heavy drinker and a, an abuser. And the jury calls this justifiable homicide. So she's acquitted. Oh, hey. So I, I'm, I'm not mad about that one. I won't right. Lie. Look, you cool. do what you got to do. Do what you do. She goes back to Memphis and again moves in with her mother and she goes back to sex work and she is doing her job when she runs into husband number one, Mr. Halpin Cox. And they decided, why not? Let's get married again. What? They get no. married again. This is a bad idea. It, it's the only good idea she has through this whole story. Hannah, just hold on. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I really think this was the best marriage out of all of them, truly. Oh, Jesus. Um, she was staying home trying to not, you know, go into the business, but she was bored and unhappy and lonely. Um, Cox was a gambler. That's kind of, I guess, what he did for money. So he stayed up all night long gambling and slept all day so she was bored and lonely and just like not really all that happy and then he was killed in a car accident oh don't know were really the brakes cut <laughs> right no, they, i don't think they were i actually think this was a legit true accident whoopsie um, doodle 
Yeah, I think so. Cars are cars are scary, kids. So well, especially yeah. during this period. Yeah. So yet again, Alma goes back to sex work. Um, she joins a brothel instead of walking the streets. Smart. But yeah. But where she's not so smart is she becomes a really bad alcoholic and the heavy drinking affects her looks, which therefore affects her profits. And then what profits she did make, she was gambling away. She had a gambling addiction. This is where the owner of the brothel called her crow bait. Crow is in the bird. Crow bait. And kicked her out. So she moved to a second rate body house in Memphis because body house was the term back in the day. Got it. So it's there. She's doing some more sex work when she meets Michael McClavy, a 58 year old successful contractor. And by that, I mean he had money. Um, And he, I think, saw her as a, I don't want to say a a charity case. That sounds mean. I think he actually cared about her. He wanted to save her from sex work. He wanted to better her position in life. So they got married, but she wasn't really as in love with him as he was with her. He was older than her by a good bit. He was losing his hearing and eyesight, and she didn't find him very attractive. Well, but he loved her. They lived in a nice house. They had a good neighbor. It was in a good neighborhood and he gave her money to gamble with, but her gambling addiction gets worse and worse because, you know, that's how addictions work. Um, so he starts limiting her allowance because yes, back in the, whatever times women had allowances. Some still do that. Hey, true, true. To each their own. True. Exactly. So she wanted more money to gamble with. So she goes to McClavy and she says, hey, let's take in a boarder. Why not? Let's just have a random stranger move in with us for rent. Um, And so he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. So a guy named Charles Miller moves in. Miller was an ex-jockey. He was much younger than McClavy. He was more handsome than McClavy. He was I probably much smaller going. than McClavy. Yeah, he's a jockey. Their pocket size. Oh, awesome. And, and <laughs> I, I've just got it. So I didn't know what crowbait was. So I looked it up. Uh, so it's 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 fitting that he was a jockey because crowbait is an old horse. An insult. Call it. So he basically, the guy called her an old horse. And now yeah. she's sneaking with a jockey on the side. Yeah, there you go. I love a good <laughs> equine themed insult. <laughs> I do hate that though, because she was still young at that point. And she was, um, she knew, and we'll get into this. She knew she was her station in life. She knew how people looked at her. Um, Right. But I mean, she did make some bad choices. Either way, we'll get to that. So yes. So she is probably hitting the sheets with Miller, their border. Um, And um, on December 20th, 1927, the police are called to uh, Alma and Michael McClavy's house. They find Alma leaning over McClavy, who's laying on the bedroom floor. He'd been shot through the heart. And Alma nope. is screaming, oh, who could have shot my poor husband? She didn't say, and you're to blame, you give love a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did not. Is that Alas. where Bon Jovi got the lyric? I wish it was. Do we know? Um, <laughs> no. 
Um, so the police begin their investigation. They, of course, question Alma. Um, they ask where this border is, Mr. Miller, and she said he had vanished. No. Um, but police begin investigating. They start talking to some witnesses, some neighbors, and they know and they tell police that Alma gave this border, which, you know, supposedly mm-hmm. that's all he is to her. Mm-hmm. She gave him a gun as a gift. Oh interesting right quite a gift yeah so they find they end up finding um mr miller and they indict indict him for mclavy's murder and they considered alma an accessory before the fact so they're basically co-defendants the case goes to trial in 1928 and prosecutors claim that alma told miller to uh, kill her husband and he did it um in court though alma makes quite a fuss when she's on the stand she is screaming and sort of shouting and and just testifying preaching so loudly they have to close the windows and the doors to the courtroom which i would think would make it very hot in there if it's oh god yes Yeah. yeah um she said in court michael made a lady of me by god he did i worshiped him he found me in a house of shame he knew what i was but he loved me he drank but he was good and kind to me and i loved him and a little bit later she says look at me look at me good can't you see i've paid i'm only 29 i look 50 i'm no longer pretty the police are down on me that's why i'm here i know i used to be bad but i've been good ever since the day mike took me out of that house oh okay um so she testifies but miller does not and that ticks her off because she expected him to kind of defend her um but is this where i get to make a joke about betting on the wrong horse (laughs) Yes. I'm here all night. Thank you. Yes. Tip your waitress. But I'm dumb. <laughs> um, and the prosecutor um, in his closing arguments was just really, really harsh about Alma. He called her Memphis's meanest woman. Who oh. plotted to um, plotted her husband's murder, supplied the pistol, and repaid with death the kindly man who took her out of a body house and gave her a decent home. And the jury agreed with him. They um, oh. sent, they found both Miller and Alma guilty. He was sentenced to 15 years. Alma was sentenced to 10. Her mother, of course, is crying when she's, you know, sentenced. And um, as Alma is being led out of the courtroom, she shouts out to her mother, I'll be back. Cool. So, a girl. Yeah. So while she's in jail, Alma, of course, meets yet another man. Mr. William Thede. He's in in jail. She knows how to pick him. Well, she kind of does because, like, two of her husbands, I don't think, I think Mike and and Halpern weren't that bad. William Thede is kind of that bad. He was already in jail for killing a 15 year old boy during a grocery store holdup in 1921. That is some 1921 crime, isn't it, though? Um, they both sort of expected to get out at about the same time. And since they were sweet on each other, they said they would meet each other on the outside. So they oh, do. Jesus. And <laughs> Alma served about four and a half years of her 10 year sentence. Okay. So once they're both out, they get married in 1933. 
Alma, her mother, and her new husband, Mr. Thede, all move into this small house on the edge of town. And when I say small, like they call it a shanty throughout that news story. And it, it looks like one. It looks kind of like a shack. It doesn't look great. And it's small. It's like three bedroom for, you know, three people, which I get it. Two of them are remarried. But either way, three That's years too many after- people. It's a lot of people, and we're about to get into the non-humans that live there, too. Um, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, get ready. Three years after they were married, Thede was like, peace out. Um, He files for divorce from Alma, saying that she threatened to kill him. Really? Good sir? Really? You... you <laughs> she's in jail for killing one already killed another like okay she um, ain't got a threaten i know like um but he also complained that the house they had was filthy because it's the three humans they had four parrots two dogs and a cat and then because they lived sort of out in the boonies they could have farm animals and they had where the fuck did they get a parrot in the 30s <laughs> i don't know but they had four of them and, and they may not have been parrots. They may have been, I don't know, something else, but they just called them. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, they had chickens and pigs too. And the chickens and pigs were allowed to come into the house as well. So Jesus this is like a Christ. very, this is not a good situation to live in. Um, and then when the divorce is mentioned in the local paper, because, you know, papers back then told everybody's business, um, their photos were included with that. And a Memphis woman called the cops on them saying, uh, they, that both William Thede and Alma had stole linen and silver from her home. So Alma and William are yet again arrested and tried and convicted and they both go back to jail. (laughs) Jesus um, Christ. But once they're released, William Thede runs off and we never hear from him again. So he, okay. he escapes her. Um, the next couple of years are really tough. Alma and her mother are living in total poverty and they're really struggling to survive. And what's another issue that we have here is at some point, and I could never find hard details on this, she adopted two of Halper and Cox's kids. And also took in just abandoned babies from the city. Like if mm-hmm. a mom was like, hey, I, I'm, you know, pregnant with this illegitimate child. I don't want it because you know how it was back then. She would take it in. And so she wasn't point, Georgia Tam. <laughs> no, no, no. But I don't know that she could provide a good life for him really either because poverty, um, you know, it's hard to raise a kid on nothing. Mm-hmm. you know um I, i'm all for her wanting to do the right thing and take care of kids but if you when you can barely support yourself you, you know, have pigs in your house yeah. literal yeah. pigs and she got arrested for stealing a cow because she <laughs> stole the cow because she said she needed it for the babies and the cops are like babies and so they go to her house, they see these babies that are not hers, and they actually took them back into custody. And so there's oh, all that Alma. too going on. It, it's a mess. Um, fast forward a couple more years, she marries her fifth husband, Ed Gill, in 1946. He is 62. Um, he moves in with Alma and her mother, I'm guessing the kids do <laughs> and then three years later ed was found dead in the street killed by a gunshot wound to the head this is the guy that was killed at the top of the story 
So um, when they find him, I think he's like a mile from that shanty house that they all lived in. So the police go to the shanty house. They know it's her husband and they go and they're like, hey, your husband's been killed. And she goes dead and then shrugs. <laughs> so um, Ed was killed with a 38 caliber pistol and she admits that she has one, but she says she didn't shoot him. Both she and her mother say that Ed had been drinking very heavily for the last couple of weeks and he was especially drunk the night that he was killed and that whatever mess he got himself into was his own doing, but they arrested her anyway. However, some ballistics experts do their thing and they prove that Ed was shot with Alma's gun. And at this Don't point, leave Alma Alma alone. <laughs> yeah, i kind of like that through this one yeah well i um, i like that they were able to do it at this point i didn't yeah that was, was i thought that was, was very thing cool. back then yeah. we're learning so um, much about forensics <laughs> we're gonna learn even more next week oh we haven't got there yet be quiet sheena okay um <laughs> i got really excited for an episode we haven't even like researched yet either way Oh, I'm so sorry, McDuff. I just kicked my cat. I'm sorry. By accident, by accident, by accident. I didn't know he was up there. Sorry, bud. Okay. Anyway, back to the story. So when the the proof, it's, you know, proven that her gun is the one that killed him, she changes her story. She said they had been out visiting friends and he had been drinking all evening and that she and Ed were driving home when they began fighting and Ed threatened to leave her. I got the impression he had threatened this several times and that he got the pistol out of the glove, glove compartment and they got out of the truck they fought over the gun and ed was accidentally shot again in the back of the head <laughs> um, <laughs> um but they 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 can tell just by their investigation that this is all bs and plus ed's employer told police that he was never an alcoholic they never had issues with him coming in drunk or coming in hungover mm -hmm. um he was always on the straight and narrow so they know that they're kind of slandering um poor ed's name so when it comes time to do the trial alma says i'm no more afraid of this trial than i am of my god ed didn't marry me blindfolded i laid my cards on the table no woman in memphis has tried harder to be law-abiding than me the trouble is when you try to be upstanding other women won't let you and of oh. course the police always hound you bitches i thought that was a that's a fascinating quote right there like, yeah again i i like how that through this whole time she she does not she has no pretense like she's like yes i've been a sex worker i've been poor i've right he you know, knew what i, I know, was when we yes. got married mm -hmm. she she never tries to be above herself she's just like this is who i am take it or leave it and i think it's interesting the other women won't let you be upstanding like i would right. love to know more about what made her say that yeah spill the tea bitch i know um and she knew the judge for this trial because he worked her cow theft trial so when she first sees him she's like hey judge her like, cow theft trial jesus i didn't know how else to word it um but i think though she knew the cards were stacked against her here um knowing her history and and the you do have the evidence that points to her obviously so she actually pleads guilty to second degree murder and the state's attorney, I think he saw her for what she was and he knew she'd had a really rough life. 
Um, and he asked that her sentence be uh, no more than 10 years. Oh. And when they led her away to jail, she muttered, the whole world is against me. Oh, wow, Ma. Um, this is where I kind of lose her because that story ends in about 1949. So I know just a little bit more about the rest of her life, but she lived almost another 20 years. So there's Damn. more to the story, but mm-hmm. not by much. She was paroled after five years and um, she married a man named William Massey in 1960, but they divorced. He escaped her. Girl, those husbands ain't working out. Yeah. They ain't worth it. They ain't worth it. I hate to tell her. I, I wonder though, it's funny because I remember reading this news story to my mom, like the whole 1949 crazy <laughs> news story. And my mom's like, you know, I think she was just trying her best. I think she was trying to stay alive. She married men she thought maybe could help financially. Right. You know, so she wouldn't have to go to sex work and that sort of thing. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not saying she's a saint. I'm not right. saying she's a good woman, but I think she tried her best in a lot of ways she was hustling i mean i can't fault a girl for hustling i mean this is the 40s it's not like you know she didn't have skills she probably wasn't educated it's not like Mm -hmm. she could be a typist or a school teacher she didn't want to keep hoeing bless her heart so yeah Yeah. and you know i I get the feeling she might have enjoyed the sex work there when she was younger because again right. she's getting taken out on the town and mm-hmm. getting right. attention from men and things like that which cool have at it but i think later on she realized she needed more stability and yeah she never found i don't think she ever found it yeah um mrs alma herring cox calvert cox mcclavy feed gill massey Damn or girl. Alma feed <laughs> um because she's kept going by her fourth husband's name um died at age 75 in memphis in 1970 i kept saying that she died of natural causes i figure just living in poverty right you can't take good care of yourself and then she was an alcoholic she was obviously abused by at least one of these husbands if not more um so yeah i understand her passing away i'm I'm surprised she made it to 75 i won't lie yeah yeah Um, i mean that's like tilly made it to 60 and i'm Fairly yeah. certain that was on spite and spite alone. <laughs> Hardcore. Tilly yeah. kidding. Or um, but she is buried at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis next to Halpin Cox. Um, oh. his stone reads father and hers reads mother. And I I don't think she ever gave birth to any children of her own. I think these are Halpin Cox's children. Well, that was nice. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's beside Alma. I don't know where Re- Roy Calvert is buried. Mike McClavy is buried in Calvary Cemetery in Memphis, but I think his grave is unmarked. Ed Gill was buried in a cemetery up in like the northwest corner of Tennessee. I just, I imagine he must have been from there. Um, because I could find so little on William Massey, there's a lot of dudes over the last right. several years that have been named William Massey. I couldn't figure out which one for sure was alma's william massey so i don't know where he was buried Mm -hmm. but that ladies and gentlemen is the story of alma feed damn alma we had some really good old lady names we had Uh tilly we we had myrtle and myrna myrna Myrna. Myrna. and now we have alma Mm -hmm. these are um her mother was nettie (laughs) oh she's a great old lady there's actually a picture of her sitting in that old shanty house waiting on oh. alma to get out of jail um Bless. i'm not entirely sure but i think i found her death certificate and i think she passed away in 1953 i'm not entirely sure and too i can't find her tombstone um i don't know if it's marked 
I didn't get to do this much research before we recorded. Right. Um, she's supposedly buried at Elmwood, but I could understand if if she didn't have a marker because they probably couldn't have afforded one. Right. Yeah. Um, and Elmwood has always been a very affordable place for a cemetery for to, for burial. Right. So it makes sense that she would be buried there, especially too since um, that first well first and third husband was buried out there i'm sure <laughs> alma wanted it to all stay in the family but um yeah but yeah so that is the very tiresome story of vance avenue alma if you watch i think it's is it deadly women dangerous women deadly um, women id deadly <laughs> women they did a she was you know they do like what three or four people per episode and she's yeah. it featured in an in an episode i watched it here a while back before it went off it was like only for a short amount of time on Hulu or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she's been covered here and there. She is um, a little bit more famous, but she's um, she's interesting. She's an interesting bird. I so. love Dudley Women because they have the shittiest wig budget. Oh yes, God, the do. true crime documentaries. They do. I'm like, they this do. is some party city nonsense. <laughs> like, what the fuck and is like, this hair? the the girl who played a young alma was really pretty but alma did did lose her looks there when she got older that will say i hate i hate to say that i don't want to knock her because you know i mean i can't imagine being a sex worker in 1930s 1940s memphis was good on the complexion tabby you're sitting on my headphone cable tabby tabby Tabby, please move your big ass. <laughs> she don't care. <laughs> she don't care, does she? She's like, mama, it's bedtime, bitch. Yes, yeah, I know. Is. That's why Gwen was like, uh, y'all, my cat. So I bought <laughs> the Rachel Ray cat food because I had a coupon. Uh-oh. We lost Hannah. CBS. What happened? What happened? <laughs> My dumb fuck dog knocked my computer off this table. Oh, Tabby. Tabitha! <laughs> this is bad behavior. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> I have to be really I think that's like the first legit edit we've had this whole episode. So good for us. Yay, us. I but say yes. we leave it in. <laughs> leave it I'm in. cool with it. I'm cool That's with it. fine with me. My computer survived it this time. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. At least I think it did. Yeah, it did. We're good. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, but I bought her. So I got her the Rachel Ray food because I had a coupon at CVS. When I tell you this little shit weasel dug through the trash to get crumbs of her old cat food. Rather than eat the fresh stuff in the bowl. Mm-hmm. I was like. That's a cat. That's yeah. harsh. That's real fucking harsh. <laughs> yeah. McDuff has been on a roll this week. I don't know what got into him. But for the first time in the three years I've had him here. I threatened to take him back to the streets of Whitehaven. I was like. Oh, no. No. <laughs> he, like I will. I will never do it. Because you're my baby. And I love you. And, and you're my soul. But you're also annoying me. And. I will drop you off at that Dodges down the street. Don't you even think about it? The one that's in the Rick Ross video for Elvis Presley Boulevard. Yes. Yes. I I know that Dodges very well. Yes. Um, You will go back on the main streets, you little shit. Yeah. The only friend you'll have will be the FedEx planes flying overhead. (laughs) 
Um, oh. but I'm not going to, he's just been, he's been misbehaving, but he's also very good too. So I can't. yeah. Gwen has been full of piss and vinegar too. So what's so funny is like <laughs> more so than when I worked for my other employer with my new employer, who I love and find delightful, they, uh, she'll like get on my lap when I'm in meetings and she'll just sit up straight. Like I am business cat. We are in Aww. meeting and I'm just like you, and you just see her little ears. Just nightmare. Absolute okay. nightmare. In that same vein, you know, there's that TikTok where they say cats want to do what you're doing. So get them. Yes. A fake I want to make her her own little laptop so I bad. Like Duff needs one because all week long when I'm like working with my mouse, he's like pawing at my hand. Like, what are you doing? Can I hit she that? Does that. Can I hit that? Yeah. She and does so that I with the trackpad on my yeah. work laptop because I have a, they gave me a, like a really nice mouse, but I still have like the base yeah. that has the trackpad. And so she'll like move. The tra- I'm like, stop <laughs> it. I think McDuff needs his own desktop computer. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, we got Don't give topic, me that look. You know okay. what you did. But, you know, we're talking about our pets who are adorable and sometimes they eat our glasses and we get angry. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or pickle. Uh, <laughs> Don't give me that look. No, he's already, him? he's already eaten. Uh, he ate my husband's glasses too. So, well, and did he eat Buster Douglas' drugs? Eater. Yes, he's eaten Buster's drugs when he was a puppy. Uh, yeah, he's did y'all just... name did y'all name Buster Douglas after an actual human? Uh, no. We, I mean, conveniently, he does have the same name of a boxer, Buster Douglas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we named him Buster after Buster Bluth from Arrested Development, and then mm-hmm. we just started calling him Buster Douglas. And because- my. <laughs> I, I just learned that Buster yeah. Rhymes was named after a baseball player named mm-hmm. Buster okay. Rhymes. Like no, I yeah, have no, no idea. No, Buster Douglas is a boxer. He wasn't he. I think he was the one who knocked out Mike Tyson. I think <gasps> yeah, he was because oh. I was what it was something I was listening to or something, and they mentioned a Buster Douglas, and I was like, Lori's dog. Like what? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, he know. he was he was a boxer, and then Adam's stepdad's name is Douglas. Oh, okay. Doug. So. I, I think it was kind of, you know, it all kind of came together. And now, you know, it would be cuter if he was actually a boxer instead of an Australian shepherd, you know, <laughs> Buster Douglas, the boxer dog. But I like it. anyway, well, it's y'all, cute. thank you so much for listening. If you'd yes. like to leave us a review, please do so five star only. If you don't like us, then <laughs> please don't do that. And don't, um, don't then listen. stop listening. Killy, yeah, Killy yeah. We'll come back from yeah, the grave no, and tell you, know, you what. Look fuck off we don't want you here anyway Uh, (laughs) right you can can follow us on social media you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at cemetery row pod or you can send us an email to cemetery row pod at gmail.com and i would love to thank my you know the friends and staff who have been reaching out to us with ideas Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. answers to questions that we posed to more information about the different things that we talk about um it's really made me feel very very good and we all appreciate it for sure yes yes, and be sure to tune in in two weeks we're going to talk about famous detectives yeah we got some cool folks lined up for that so too bad we're too poor to like rent the rights to the law and order music yes (laughs) hey we can dun dun all day well we've got great music 
We do. do. We do. Thank you, Revenge Body. She yes. gave him the spiel. Yeah, so you can go find Revenge Body, who did our theme song. You can find his music at Bandcamp. You can go pay um, all kinds of good money and and support him. Please do that. So um, thank you to Revenge Body for our theme music. Thank you to Derek for editing us, which, like I said, we may be leaving some stuff in there. (laughs) 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 But um, we appreciate them for helping our little podcast come to Yes. And we thank you guys for listening and we can't wait to bring you more stuff. Yes. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.